Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. You've made it to another thrilling interview episode. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNiptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Right. Fantastic. Good fun day in the markets today. Big rip on the spy. Can't complain. Love it when it's green, right? Everything going up but the stocks that I'm in. It's funny that uh, <laughs> the markets are going up, but yet I'm trying to play puts. <laughs> Yeah, right. All day I was looking for a good put entry. <laughs> yeah, no, another one of those days. Well, folks, sit back, get excited. We are once again joined in the shop by the wonderful Anthony Fatsies from What the Finance. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm very well, thank you. Kyle, were you laughing there? I was, <laughs> yeah. Dan said laughing. wonderful. Is that? <laughs> Dan, no, it was because Dan got a little tongue twisted when he tried to say oh, Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think he said we're enjoined with you. We're enjoined Enjoy. with oh, you. Okay, no problem. So, yeah, that's probably going to have to stay now. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're just joined as, as one. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, you said it's a thrilling interview as well. What the finance balls. <laughs> no, I don't know how we can. Uh, I, I, we can do it. I'm sure. I'm sure the listeners would love listening, <laughs> hearing us <laughs> try and combine the words for 40 minutes. It's a, it's a thrilling episode, as we understand, Anthony. You yes. just you just stopped a terrorist attack. Walk us through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think um, what were you talking about on the other? I, I grew into a giant, and then I. Uh, <laughs> what were you talking about on your last episode? <laughs> and I stopped. I stopped some ninjas or something. I, yeah. I think. Oh, I was meant to write this down and then like <laughs> say that as my answer. But no. you, you weren't turning into a velociraptor, were you? You're not a, a priest by day. How did you know? Uh, <laughs> we just you saw your me. documentary. Uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fighting ninjas. Yeah, exactly. Got to- <laughs> <laughs> my biopic. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you enjoyed. <laughs> well, we should probably actually talk about something pertinent to. Oh, yes. know, actually, it's kind of fun. So, what have you been up to uh, since. Uh, since we last chatted, I think last time we had you on was the end of the year special. Yeah, definitely. So I've been uh, similar to you guys, been interviewing lots of amazing, uh, interesting people. And I think it's probably been more interesting as well, just because of what's been happening in the world. Obviously, some good things, some bad things, but it just makes the markets do things, which is what we want to happen you know, when, when it moves. <laughs> That's a very eloquent way of saying it, do things. <laughs> are you uh, actively trading too, or are you still too busy with school? So no, not as much. I do look a little bit at... Uh, foreign exchange now and again uh sort of analyzing the macroeconomic trends of it all uh, and i am i'm slowly getting to that point where 
I'm analyzing stocks. I'm looking at uh, companies, probably more looking for the long-term investment mm-hmm. route. Uh, so analyzing some potential opportunities there. Uh, but yes, I not as <laughs> don't do it as often as you guys. <laughs> not daily. No, not daily. Well, we also aren't gainfully employed anymore. So taking the plunge full time into it. Yeah, because I wasn't doing any work. I was just staring at stock cards all day long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my life at the moment as well. <laughs> I got I got fired for shorting my steel mill. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> at work. <laughs> short 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 sellers are the devil. <laughs> Haven't you heard? Well, the company I was working for was part of that whole green cell collapse. I don't know if you're paying attention to that. Uh, oh yeah, wow. What were they? Um, Liberty Steel. Were they owned by the guy? Gunter? Yep. <laughs> He's a dodgy individual, that bloke. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of, I haven't been following it as much. I need to go check up on that and see if anything new came out. Yeah, I think he's found a way to get a, get out of it, I think. It looks like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, he moved yeah, to Dubai like last I saw. It was a, because it was centrally located for a good place to you know manage all his different assets. No, I think you're doing that because you don't want to get served <laughs> papers from <laughs> Britain. Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and like just the um the structure of how the company was like it, it wasn't like a conglomerate. They were all individually run companies. So even though you own this whole massive uh, you know, hundred I think it was hundreds of plants all across the the world, they weren't mm-hmm. actually conglomerates. So that made it even harder for Well the whole thing that was crazy about it too is the way they were doing their financing. Like they're yeah. basically like taking the invoices of anything they bought. Like not even like the actual invoices that were already out, but even future invoices. Yeah. And getting loans secured against those in order to go buy more shit. <laughs> and making it up. <laughs> Kyle, it's it's not fraud if you actually <laughs> believe the fake invoices. <laughs> it's not criminal. Exactly. You really Are you allowed to be it? talking about this, uh, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't I bid me any severance or anything. So yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I didn't sign any NDAs. <laughs> We've talked about it a few different times, but yeah, the craziest thing they were doing was they'd sit down with the person at either is either Credit Suisse or uh, Greensill, and they would say like, "Oh, who do you think you could sell steel to?" And they'd name off some people. Like, if you could sell to them, then how much would you sell to them? And they'd name a number, and they'd be like, "Okay, what's the value of that?" And they'd say, "Okay, well, here's a loan for those future prospective invoices. <laughs> you just pay us back when you secure those deals." It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, when Greensill collapsed and Credit Suisse started like going out trying to collect these you know invoices that had all these loans against them started talking to these people of companies that never even heard of liberty steel like who the fuck is that well credit swiss has seen to be they're in all these like crazy securitizations like i don't know if you heard they're also in like russian oligarch yachts they were like loading to these russian oligarchs and then securitizing them and selling them to other investors and like so they just seem to have done what? yeah it's really bad like <laughs> similar to green as well like these people like uh so say they have like a wealth management department they were these people were investing with them and they, i'm sure they didn't know that they were <laughs> investing in these very speculative potential future <laughs> orders of a random steel company <laughs> it's it's not a good look unfortunately i want to hear more about the the russian oligarch yachts oh yeah and have you seen that they've all started to be uh sort of like um taken off them they're like being impounded by all the european countries i have been seeing that yeah yeah it's a crazy time with Russia. And I think it'll be interesting, like, you know, we're talking about there about commodities. It'll be interesting to see how that or all this impacts commodities going into the future more than what we've seen at the moment. 
You think it's going to affect more than just the uh, oil and grain markets? I think it will because if you look at um, obviously Russia, it's a mass, just a massive country in it. Mm-hmm. I think there's something I saw. It has 13% of all commodities in the world or something because it just has so much. It has palladium. It has obviously wheat. It has nickel. It has oil, gas, etc. So it has all this just so much raw material and there's so much demand from Europe in particular because obviously mm-hmm. geography. So yeah, I think a, a lot of those products aren't under sanction at the moment, especially, you know, obviously gas and oil, uh, because it makes up sort of 30, I think oil makes up 30% of, uh, Russian oil makes up 30% of sort of Europe's demand. And then Russian yep. gas is close to 40. So, you know, they can't cut it off, but there's concerns that potentially next year. Not till summertime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then as well, a lot of the time they actually have to, so they store up the gas for mm-hmm. winter. So if, there's any disruptions in that? Obviously, there's a massive pipeline going through Ukraine. So if that gets damaged, uh, or if you know Russia turns off the taps, then it's going to be look pretty bad. Well, I and didn't Germany already basically like nix a project that they were working on with Ukraine? Yeah, so they're working with. Um, I think it was actually with Russia directly, and it was a way because at the moment because it's going through Ukraine, uh, this pipeline they have to pay Russia has to pay Ukraine like quite high sort of you know. You know uh, expenses for that so they're actually trying to create another pipeline that <laughs> avoided like went through the baltic sea basically so it avoided ah. ukraine so yeah they didn't have to pay anyone it went st- directly to germany but that's been cancelled now that was that Nord stream 2 massive um mm-hmm. yeah, controversy yeah with trump as well yeah so yeah but there's you know germany they have basically been shutting down all their nuclear power plants recently uh been trying to go renewable but 60 percent of their all their electricity is from Russian gas, <laughs> or sixty percent of their gas is from uh, Russia. So yeah, they, they've talked about if they can't actually turn it off because if they did, they would, you know, it'd be a massive recession. They wouldn't be able to do anything. Well, that fuck Russia over just as bad too. You think because that's like a major piece of their economy. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would. But then I guess the you know I think uh, us Western countries aren't they, we don't like paying too much, unfortunately. So no, no. yeah, a lot of time we, we we do what we can, but uh, I, I don't think German people would put up with that, unfortunately. I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's happening here in America, but it seems like Biden is more concerned with making sure that people aren't paying too much at the pumps rather than the, the plight yeah. of what's going on anywhere else. Oh, yeah, he was trying to uh, talk to with Venezuela and <laughs> and Iran <laughs> and all these other countries that are a lot better than Russia. I don't know. Uh, yeah. What, what, what are your opinions on, I don't know if you talk political here, but what are your opinions on the midterms? Uh, we try to stay away from politics. Okay. It's probably a good idea, especially in the US. My main, the main thing that I want as far as US politics is I want them to hurry up and legalize marijuana before they lose control. Democrats lose control of the Senate and the House. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They seem to be putting that on the back. I thought it'd be one of the first things <laughs> that bring in. I would have thought so, but no, maybe that's, maybe they're using that as like their hope. Like, yeah. Like to, to try to get 2023. More like, well, <laughs> can't let Republicans win. Otherwise, we won't get our free weed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know, but um, whoa, whoa, whoa. free weed. What? I see yeah, we're gonna get free weed, right? That's that's yeah, how free you everything. Get the <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I just heard. I just heard free, free weed. weed. <laughs> <laughs> Send us those messages. Two bulls in a china shop dot com. <laughs> yeah, is that our new giveaways? Yeah, <laughs> free weed. Can I just message you in the Discord chat? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if it. Uh, I don't know if you'd be able to get to the UK, unfortunately. What's the laws over there in the UK? 
Uh, no. The law is no. I think you get three warnings, then you go to j- you like go to jail or something. But yeah, it's not legal per se. Oh, good. You still got three strikes and you're out. Yeah, that, that yeah. looked great in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as America. It's not as strict as that. But uh, yeah, they're all about CBD and like, you know, CBD oil and all these things, but it's not the actual, the, the actual thing isn't legalized. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing, uh, you've been getting some really good guests lately, and I think we've been seeing a little bit of crossover, and we must be dealing with the same uh, scheduling groups or podcast bookers, because I uh, see so you talked to Jay. We talked to him. Uh, we've got Harold Vanderlyn next week that we're talking to. How was that interview? Yeah, it's really interesting. Have you guys had a chance to look at his book? Uh, I have the copy of it. I got to start it this weekend. Just started yesterday. I, I think it's probably the best uh, sort of book I've read about. It's just looking at the different cultures of each country and like how you invest in them because i think for a lot of times we take for granted like obviously the us is uh, and you know the uk are quite similar in their own ways and europe's quite similar as well but Mm -hmm. each asian country has their own unique culture behind sort of just the industries investing and and, and everything to do with that so i found that really interesting the you know i learned a lot from the interview as well but the book it just sort of looks into a lot of these economies and you know there's a few countries i haven't even thought about investing in like indonesia Mm mm-hmm which is, I think, has the fifth mo- uh, fifth largest population in the world. In the next, uh, I think it's 10, 20 years, it's probably going to be the top five, one of the top five economies in the world. It has crazy amounts of natural resources. So, and that's an economy that doesn't really have much uh, exposure to China. Right. Because I think sometimes we think, you know, emerging markets, Asia, China, but there's these other massive economies in that area that are very investable. I know one of the ones I'm looking forward to talking to him about is actually Vietnam. Yeah, definitely. I've been reading a lot about how they're, kind of go on the route like comparing to like japan and right after world war ii like trying to just totally modernize themselves yeah they're, they're interesting because they're obviously um you know i guess you could just say similar to china they're a communist country but yeah as you said they are trying to it's basically mass industrialization and mass uh you know a lot of the rural workers are moving to the cities to start working uh and you know if we look at trump uh, and the trade war in 2018 that led a lot of the you know country, companies that normally manufactured in China a lot of them actually moved to Asia so uh, moved mm-hmm. to Vietnam so I think Samsung's one of the they have their largest factory in Vietnam and uh, there's there's all these other you know companies that have moved to Vietnam for manufacturing and you know obviously that helps build up the economy uh, and at the same time as you know the economy grows standard of living grows for people there's opportunities available actually in the services industry as well so you can say healthcare you know just um, technology all these different industries in vietnam there's there's amazing opportunities and i think i looked at um i was looking at a company it was just a uh, construction company as well and, mm-hmm. you know because you think about it like there's as you said it's basically massive building <laughs> what they're doing they're, they're trying to right yeah those are the companies that you got to start with right you got to lay out all that infrastructure first what was the company oh it's um Let's see if I can find it. It's a, it's a really interesting place to invest in. Though. You have to be careful because were you looking at like individual companies or were you looking at like an index? Uh, I haven't looked at it. I've just been reading more just yeah. about the economies, like more broad strokes, nothing nothing specific yet. Yeah, I can't I even know if I can remember it. Sorry, it was, sorry, it was probably like two or th- two years ago. So I've deleted it from now. But yeah, yeah. but I think, um, yeah, the, the issue is though, if you, because... The infrastructure isn't built very well. So if you actually want to invest in in Vietnam, you have to open an account, a brokerage account in Vietnam. Okay. So there's not actually any other opportunities available. So you have to open a bank account in Vietnam and then and then open a brokerage <laughs> and then transact money. And I think there's like a three-day settlement as well. So obviously buy a share takes three days to, <laughs> to oh. process. So it's really like... Um, I, I talked to someone who was actually... A, uh, he's like a CIO of a massive company there. And he, um, 
the, the stock market's only been around since like 2003, 2004. So it's right. still really developing. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting opportunity. That's funny. Yeah, that makes you wonder like, a lot of emerging stuff, but also there's a lot of rules that haven't been written yet because they haven't <laughs> haven't figured out all the ways that people are going to screw you out of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, system, I don't even right? think it's, it's it's probably not even emerging market. I think they call it frontier market because it's not even, which is crazy. So I guess once it goes from frontier to emerging, then a lot more invest like um institutional investors will actually be able to invest there. So that could see a massive huh. boost in the economy. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I think uh, Harold was talking about. Bangladesh as well is another really interesting opportunity. Really? Yeah, in Asia. And it's like these countries that you don't even think about it, uh, investing yeah. in. But um, yeah, he's saying it's sort of a similar play to Vietnam as well. It's just, you know, massive industrialization. Uh, there's going to be many opportunities for companies to, you know, take advantage of. There's just so many people in Asia, especially Southeast Asia. Yeah, and the demographics as well. Um, a lot of them are really young. So I think in Vietnam, oh, I think it's like over half the population is like, under 25 or something and similar to bangladesh really yeah whereas you compare it and, and i think you know there's other countries in africa as well, like nigeria and these are all the countries that are really going to benefit for over the next 20 or 30 years mm -hmm. compared to obviously the us uk australia even china you know japan's already there where it's extremely you know it has a top. high uh yeah top heavy as you said yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> too many boomers <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> fucking boomers <laughs> shorting tesla right <laughs> how dare they but um but yeah it, it, it just it, it's gonna make so many opportunities for these for these countries because at the end of the day you know where's the demand going to come from it's going to come from these you know countries that have potentially developed and then from there they're spending more because they want to live a higher standard of, you know they want a higher standard of living so mm -hmm. i think it's it's a really interesting time but yeah so that, that's, yeah, I really enjoyed the chat with Harold. You've had some pretty good guys. I'm looking at the, one of the ones that really stuck out. I hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it was the guy you talked to about Alibaba, uh, Tay, Tay Chi King. How's yeah. 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 It was super interesting. Well, what was, what, what made that stick out is because when that initially popped up on my uh, YouTube search algorithm, I think it was when Alibaba's trading like $80 a share. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's this guy hawking, you know, Chinese stocks and, you know, they got the threat of delisting and everything else. And then something happened recently that seems to have caused a bit of a turnaround on most of the Chinese names. I think even Neo is up quite a bit right now. Yeah. I was just curious what he, what his case was. Yeah, to be fair, we did the interview a, a few months ago and it was a bit higher then. So maybe it's, it has dropped a little bit. I think uh, he's a bit of an evangelist. So similar, you know, similar to people who love Tesla and as you said, Neo and a few other countries, he just really loves the company. But um, yeah, I think recently uh, the Chinese government basically said that we're going to do what we can to uh, not destroy these companies by regulating them to hell. And we're going to try and, <laughs> as they've done, uh, and, then, and we're going to try and increase, and tra uh, increase transparency. So I think a, lo a lot of the issue with Chinese companies listed in the US is that the accounting regulations and the transparency involved. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if a lot of it has been actually up to the standards of you know, the SEC and what the US wants. And I think that's only going to get, you know, only have, going to have a higher standard. I think the SEC sort of mentioned something this week where by 2024, people are going to have to talk about their environmental goals and, and oh, stuff man. like that. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that. But, I um, did see something pop up on that uh <laughs> so it sounds very uh <laughs> very sec like they should be worrying about that stuff but um i know right yeah yeah but yeah but that was really um i think that's why we've seen the massive pop because obviously there's just been a you know it's all they call it the chinese discount because of there's the risk that y y the government just 
says no, we're not we're not happy with what's happening. I mean, what uh, what actually happens too if the if the stock gets delisted from U.S. exchanges? Like, say I bought a bunch of call options on on Alibaba, and then the next day it's delisted. What do I do with my positions? Are they just am I just stuck? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think they're just um I don't know because we we've seen that exchanges can sort of like they can play by their own rules, can't they? So I'm guessing they just close <laughs> it out. Did you, did you guys see the London Metal Exchange? What happened there? LME. What oh, the yeah. Dan was talking it, about that. It, it shut down. Yeah, literally, because, um, yeah, it was almost like a short squeeze. Well, these people have massive shorts on. This, I think it was a Chinese investor. And then mm-hmm. uh, the the people who were facilitating that shorts had to do like, oh, shit, this is going against it. Let's, we have to cover our positions. So obviously they had to you know, long and then that <laughs> that further pushed the price up. Right. So it literally got to the point where I think it went from ten thousand to a hundred thousand uh, or Ooh, in wow. like a, in a few days. And then mm-hmm. I think in, in on the Monday uh, a few weeks ago it went from it went up over two hundred percent or something in a in a day. <laughs> and what they did is they literally shut down the trading of nickel and then they reversed all those trades that had occurred on that day. So basically, you could have what? made millions of dollars. Yeah, you could have made millions of dollars or lost millions of dollars, and they're like, "No, we're just going to reverse it and go back to <laughs> what it was on that day." Oh man, how many lawsuits are there going to be on this? Yeah, I know it's crazy. Well, wow. it, I, I I really dislike that because literally, <laughs> like, if you think about it, this could happen. This could happen to anyone. <laughs> it's yeah, happen yeah. to you guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, look, they saved their game. They reloaded it before the crash happened. No problem. Everybody understands that. <laughs> exactly. Know, right? See, we're literally we're literally living in a in virtual reality, aren't we? It seems like it in in a simulation, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. think this is a good simulation or bad simulation? What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you when I see the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah <right>. exactly. <laughs> if only we could do that. Imagine that. Like, oh, I've lost a trade. Now let's uh, let's just rewind. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, maybe that's a uh, maybe that could be our next project. Start our own exchange with a save function. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, if you start your own exchange, you can just front run all the trades, and then you can. <laughs> Get a better price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something else that popped up. My wife pointed out to me. I, I don't know if you've heard this. Um, is there a rule in China that says that any equity can't rise more than ten percent in a get in a day? I'm not too sure about that. The China China is really interesting because it's sort of separated up into different, almost different markets. So Hong Kong is like its own mm-hmm. sort of regulatory entity, and then there's mainland China. Which has its own regulations, so sort of Hong Kong is a bit more lenient. So potentially in mainland China, that might be an issue. But uh, okay, yeah, I didn't realize they split up like that. Well, because Hong Kong used to be British owned up until like what the nineties. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think that's why it sort of remained separate, and that's why people probably were more willing to invest in Hong Kong because it did have that, I guess, uh, you know, democratic <laughs> <laughs> way of doing things. But that's changed a bit recently. <laughs> Why do communist governments and dictatorships always say that they're republics? Yeah, I know. It's like, right. Please believe us. The Democratic Republic of Congo. We are very democratic. Uh, I don't think you're any of those things. <laughs> right? Take that, Congo. Exactly. Just make the name. What do you have against Congo? God. Yeah. Uh, just the murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Those diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? No. Nah. Can you slander a country? I don't think that. 
don't think those rules are the same, are they? I'm not sure. <laughs> you get like a comment to be like, how dare you? I'm from the Congo. <laughs> I am coming for you. <laughs> right. You're my vendetta list. But um, another interesting one was, uh, who else did I talk to? Uh, Christopher Leonard. That was really interesting. It was actually like how the Federal Reserve broke the American economy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, called the Lord of the Lords of Easy Money, and it's just talking about so, yeah, <laughs> similar thing. If we could just uh, print as much money off as we like, that'd be great. But uh, it, it sort of looks at a, it actually looks at a steel company, um, probably similar to yours, and how they uh, basically leveraged it. To these uh, sort of venture capital, uh, venture, uh, sorry, private equity companies came in, leveraged it to hell, and then it just shut down. So they basically they basically financially maneuvered a way that they made lots of money, but it destroyed the business for many of the employees is that ArcelorMittal or Gerdau I'm not too too sure I could get at that probably but um but yeah and it was talking about how Jay Powell was actually uh the head of the uh PE company that did that really yeah and it's oh well he was the head of I think he was the head of that project and he was involved in it um, and I think it maybe collapsed after he'd already left, but it's really interesting looking into it and sort of analyzing, you know, how to cure, it obviously talks a lot about quantitative easing, how mm. it came along, how it was sort of promised as this thing that would save everyone and save the world and it would get lots of people into jobs and all this stuff, but it really hasn't delivered any of that. And it's just basically been beneficial for us jokers <laughs> who spend, <laughs> spend lots of time looking at markets as well as obviously big institutions. And uh, yeah, we, we're not capitalized enough to be able to really take advantage of it, unfortunately. I know. The bigger problem with it is just how it keeps kicking the can down the road. I mean, it served its purpose back in 2008. It really didn't need to keep continuing for another, you know, what, what's it been, uh, 14 years? Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's really the issue. So I think there was this thing where in um, obviously 2008 it occurred and uh, all the Fed chairs agreed with it but then they i think they did it again in 2011 mm-hmm. when the economy was just starting to recover and it, you know there was this one guy i can't remember his name but he was one of the fed uh sort of on the fed chairs and he disagreed with it because he's like well you know the economy's recovering why would we print all this other money just to just for it to go to these big institutions but obviously he wasn't listened to and yeah we're where we are now and as you said like we've seen that recently where the Fed are putting up interest rates, but I don't know about you guys. I don't think they can put it up too much without there being a massive economic shock. No, they did the the bare minimum, I think, this last one. We'll see what happens the next meeting that they have. But what, what are we factoring in now? Seven rate hikes, I think, is it what's expected for the year now? I think they say that. But how, you know, do, do you think that's possible? I mean, yeah. With the way inflation's going these days, like well, they got to do something, right? Yeah, definitely. But I guess you could say that you know the economy is so over leveraged, it's going to put up the price of you know how much everyone's going to pay for a lot of this debt. So, yeah, I, I think I saw if um I can't remember if it goes to five percent, then just the interest rates on you know on the U.S. government debt is just ridiculously high. Really? So that's yeah. So that's a real concern that if it continues to go up, obviously the U.S. has been able to continue to loan money because interest rates are so low. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to pay all this debt off somehow, and a lot of the time they just roll it over by, uh, you know, producing more debt. But if they do that when interest rates are really high, it's going to be extremely expensive, right. and that's going to yeah. become a massive burden on the actual economy and. And what the country can spend it on. So, yeah, as you said, it's literally just kicking the <laughs> bucket down the road. But when's the last time the the U.S. budget was actually balanced? Was that 
Bill Clinton? I think so. Oh, there was a surplus, yeah, in the 90s. I think that was the last one. He also wrecked the military at the time, too. But (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess one or the other. (laughs) Strong military and no money. (laughs) Has any any democratically elected leader been able to do more than one good thing? Maybe two? Yeah, I guess that's the US system, isn't it? Because obviously, normally, they'll lose the... Yeah, <laughs> the center of the house halfway through. <laughs> it's it's like our system of government is like set up to, to stop anything from actually happening. Yeah, yeah. it does a good job at it though. You, yeah. you got to admit. <laughs> well, and you're constantly pivoting and changing directions every four to eight years too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Run this way. No, turn around. This guy won now. Undo everything he did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now do this. Are you saying that we should go the Chinese way? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is communist. <laughs> we did ask, uh, oh, who was, I think it was when we were talking to James Falk. We were asking him about what mm-hmm. happened to, to Jack Ma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did he say about that? That'd be funny. <laughs> um, I don't remember. He was, he didn't think anything nefarious happened. That's funny. He's pretty straight, uh, straight shooting person as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was pretty, uh, I mean, yeah, to, on the one hand, you lose, you know, seven billion dollar deal you probably don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> yeah yeah you're also already a billionaire so i mean like how how much could it really hurt well i think they tapped him on the shoulder and it's like uh <laughs> you're not bigger than us <laughs> i think that's exactly what happened yeah take a step back son or you'll find out what happens <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately yeah exactly <laughs> Don't we have? Don't we all have those conversations? <laughs> yeah, James is very apologetic. I will say this: those those Chinese regulators, they have teeth over there. They have teeth. Yes, that is a good point. Yeah. If the SEC says stop doing that, most people are like, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever. Here's your fine money. Go yeah. away. Take some money. Go away. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make another tweet if I'm Elon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The exactly. long AMC. <laughs> Shut up, SEC. I'm telling my brother to sell this before I make this tweet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a bit targeted. Do you think it seems a bit like he's worth two hundred billion? Do you think he's really going to do this for like ten billion, ten million or something? <laughs> like Elon? I don't know. Yeah, it's like I think they're just targeting him like crazy just because he's Elon. <laughs> Well, I mean, his brother is pretty uncanny. I mean, I think Dan went through and like looked at like his his trading record and like how well he managed to do things right before big drops. Oh, really? Like, yeah. He was like kind of the luckiest trader in the world, is what it looked like. He, he, yeah, <laughs> Elon probably doesn't give a shit. Yeah, probably. Uh, I really think Elon used that poll as just to justify a reason for taking money out of his stock without causing everyone to panic, seeing that he was selling. Yeah, probably. Selling 10% of his, what, 30 billion, close to 30 billion. Twitter told me to do it. I'll, I'll go yeah, ahead and exactly. sell at the top. <laughs> it's not because the stock is overvalued. <laughs> Did he ever solve world hunger? I was still waiting to see if that's no longer a problem. Did you see what they said, though? It's like, they, they it's like oh, if he sold this much, like 6 billion, then we could hold, solve world hunger. Yeah. And they ended up backtracking it to like, oh, for three months. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we could solve world hunger for three months or something. <laughs> Well, they yeah, they initially made it sound like you'd solve it forever. Like, okay, here's six billion. It's too uh, beneficial for them. I think they they get paid off it. So, well, yeah, and if you actually solve world hunger, yeah, what are they going to do now? And if six billion was all it took to solve world hunger forever, like you don't think that? I mean, the U.S. gives out way more than that in foreign aid to <laughs> random countries. 
Yeah, definitely. Are you familiar with the March of Dimes charity organization? No. It's an American organization mm. that was... I haven't heard of it. You told me about this. It was founded to raise money to cure polio, and they found a cure for polio. <laughs> so then they had to look at each other in the boardroom and go, now what do we do? And they changed it to, now we're going to <laughs> raise money to fight birth defects. Because uh. you can yeah. If you're ra- like you said, if you're raising money for something <laughs> and then the thing happens, that organization that was raising money now has no purpose. <laughs> Literally. And then what that, what do they do with the money that's left? <laughs> they can't take it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. I don't even think of that. They have to give it back. We're just spending uh, $10,000 on this laptop and uh, this stapler and <laughs> I want to talk to my grandparents to see if they donated to them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. March of Dimes. Hey, you, March of Dimes? you might be able to get your money back. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> oh, man. So what else has been going on with you, man? You got uh, any other big projects coming up? Any good guests coming up that we should uh, be on the watch out for? Uh, yeah, I've got a few really interesting ones. So I have one. Um, sorry, I'll get up the guest list <laughs> just to make sure I don't screw it up in any way. Uh, so I have one, uh, Mary Child. So I'm not sure if you've heard of her. She's from NPR. Yeah, so I think they do. Um, is it the money? What's it? Uh, money podcast on Yahoo. I think she's part of that. Oh, really? Money talks. I think maybe or, but uh, but yeah, she's releasing a book called The Bong King, uh, and it's looking <laughs> at yeah. <laughs> Guess who it's about? <laughs> Dan? <laughs> no. <laughs> How did you know? Uh, it's about Bill Gross. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So, he's like uh, made, it's like how he made billions off bonds and basically- uh, Oh, bond. I thought you said bong. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a uh, bit of a shift from my normal <laughs> interviews. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like how he uh, built an empire. Uh, so he basically built, an, uh, I think it's Invesco or one of those massive companies. And then he got kicked out of the company after making a billion. So uh, he's talking about that. And there's like a, a really interesting story how he lives in this massive mansion um, somewhere in the West Coast. And apparently uh, he has this statue up. It's like a 30 foot statue on his on the front of his garden and the uh the neighbors complained about it so he also sorry uh he started getting damaged by birds so he put a net up on it and then the neighbors complained about it and he hadn't done the correct regulation so he decided just to get these massive speakers and play loud music towards the neighbors non-stop (laughs) and this is a guy who's worth like a billion dollars like (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and sorry he's the founder of pimco but but yeah, so basically, it just shows you what type of person he is, and he's sort of become a bit of a crazy Pimco just in the news for something, Dan. I thought I remember you bringing them up. Oh yeah, I think they lost eighteen million. Yeah, Pimco Russian was heavily invested in uh, Russian assets. Couple couple of the Pimco funds. Russia, that's right. Yes, okay. Yeah. So you're saying he's going to Ukraine with some large speakers to blast at Russia and Belarus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Boosie will be like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get any peace around here. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that'll be a really interesting interview. And I've still got to read the book. But yeah, so that should be interesting. And then I've got another guest. I'm not as a, I think you were saying that you're up until, you're booked up until June. I'm not that organized. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I have another one. Oliver uh, Bolo, who's actually going to be talking about 
butler of the world and it's uh, a lot of the financial crime that's gone through London. So a lot of uh, mm-hmm. Russian oligarchs and, you know, Ukrainian oligarchs and Middle Eastern money and Chinese money that's sort of come through to the UK. And mm-hmm. he's basically saying that, you know, the UK acts as a butler. It provides all the services required. It, it you know, it's, uh, requires edu- education for their kids. It requires uh, the ability to, you know, uh, all these structures and companies where you can basically hide your money. You can buy real estate uh, without actually even showing your name through an offshore company. So there's just all these sort of loopholes that just attracts money and it doesn't have to be good or bad. So that should be a really interesting conversation as well. Is that why every you know crime movie I see that's based in the UK has to do with Russian oligarchs? It literally, yeah. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> they, they stole it, they got all their money out quick to, and uh, <laughs> took it to the UK. But yeah, so that, that's really interesting. So I'll be uh, talking about that. And then, yeah, those are the main things that I'll be doing in the future, which is cool. You also said you were getting ready to start a, uh, a, a website, it sounded like, too. Oh, yeah. So I'll be looking to do like a uh, sort of educational website, just looking at all things, investing, trading. I think I look more at the macroeconomic side of things, sort of what I'm interested in and Mm -hmm. I guess more the big picture. So industries, what the future is going to be, how could you sort of invest in that way, Um, you know, potentially looking at emerging markets, you know, technology, but also trying to create a balanced portfolio. So uh, I'll be creating a sort of educational platform, probably looking at enter Q3, start of Q4 to launch it. And yeah, and I guess it'll start from complete beginners in finance and investing and then going to the point where we'll be releasing research every week, looking at the markets, what's happening there. And then within you know a year, hopefully try and get some guest educators on. Mm-hmm. So Dan, Kyle, you're welcome on. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> the experts in trading. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so generous. Yeah, exactly. We will take you up on that. <laughs> In about a year, I'll be out of money anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, oh, you, you want to get paid? What? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't take much. I'm cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. But uh, <laughs> uh, there's someone that we talked to recently, you might like then, who, who focuses more on the macroeconomic view. That was uh, Jonathan Baird, I think his name was. He's the founder of the Global Investment Letter. Oh, the global investment newsletter. Yeah, yeah. I can. Uh, I, I'll forward you his contact information. When we get done here too, because I think you'd really enjoy talking to him. You know, it's funny. I think I actually forward you his information. I oh, think. did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, I think I've already interviewed. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh. <laughs> sorry, <I didn't> <laughs> no, sorry, coming out. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Too. <laughs> Don't leave that. That's hilarious. <laughs> You know that's like that's like when uh, someone gives you a present and then you uh, give yeah, it back right? to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, here you go. It's like this is what I gave you like last year. I thought year. you'd really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a pocket knife with my name on it. <laughs> or somebody's book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thanks, guys. I re- I really appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll look through uh, the other guests that I've had. I think there's a yeah. few that we've talked to that you might enjoy too. Yeah, definitely. Another person I'll mention quickly is uh. His name's Rupert Russell. And it's funny, he talks about like chaotic markets and how commodity markets cause chaos. Oh. <laughs> and we literally talked, he, like he released a book like in January, we literally talked about it then. And then obviously, past few weeks, it's basically proven what he said and how in, you know, early 2010s, it led to the Arab Spring and a lot of the crises, you know, in the Middle East and Syria and all that stuff was basically mm-hmm. through 
commodity prices, wheat. Uh, you know, if you look at issues in the US at the moment, the US border, Guatemala, a lot of it's due to coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, the price of coffee, what? which was very low at a time. I think. Yeah. And then they, um, obviously what happened as well is there was a few, you know, massive rain, I guess you could link to climate change that rotted a lot of the coffee because a lot of the times they'd put it on their roofs to sort of dry out and then it got rotten. Like good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't like coffee? Uh, no, I'm more of a tea guy. Wow. The only person in the US who doesn't like coffee. <laughs> I think I, I am. I, I actually yeah. don't drink coffee either. I drink uh, soda in the morning. Soda. Ah. <laughs> so much better for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it tastes better. It does. <laughs> it does. My thing with coffee is that I don't want anything that like the best it could possibly be is something that's been shit out by a ferret. <laughs> yeah, but you're not drinking that. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how else do you get energy in the morning <laughs> how else do you survive that's the question I drink iced tea yeah do you have like uh, 10 a day no i actually water it down quite a bit yeah i'm not an earl gray guy or you know anything crazy like no. that i'm not squeezing lemon juice into my was it yeah was it milk and lemon juice is that the the proper earl gray Milk and lemon and honey sometimes, yeah. Well, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, no one likes me in the office because I don't know how to make tea. So <laughs> <laughs> I make a really good pot of coffee because I had to learn in the uh, military as the youngest guy on the submarine or the, the junior guy. Like that was your job was to make good coffee. Were you in a submarine? Yep. Oh, well, wow. <laughs> here's the recipe for the recipe for coffee that made you angry uh, was three heaping spoonfuls, uh, a pinch of dip, some pencil shavings. <laughs> and that was coffee that would really, you know, it'd make you mad. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Was that for the people you didn't like? You gave them no, that. No, they, they, I love it. That was everyone. Oh, they love that shit. <laughs> I guess you use what you can get. That was the best coffee. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Coffee that makes you angry. That's what happens when you have a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go anywhere else. Right. <laughs> See, we're, uh, we're, we're explaining economics. We're, we yeah. are talking about it. <laughs> economics never, and finance and stuff, right? <laughs> I never thought of the submarine as its own little... Yeah, it is. People who buy cigarettes who didn't even smoke just to take away because you get $20 a pack when everybody ran out. Right? <laughs> Yep, supply and demand. Could you smoke on the submarine? No, you could just smell it. Yeah. Well, we had our own like air recyclers, so uh, okay. Uh, we limit how many people could smoke. I'm not sure if they still can these days, but yeah, I'll pass on that. Thanks. <laughs> I'm too. I'm. I'm too tall. Always. Uh, it probably doesn't matter these days, does it? Um. No. Uh, well, there's no rule, but you'll definitely have a crick in your neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember one guy I worked with. He was six four, and his head was yeah. always canted to the side. He ended up wearing a, a baseball hat everywhere. Because uh, you need the bill to protect yourself from low-hanging pipes and stuff. It gives you just a little bit of extra warning. <laughs> in the, it's the same in the UK because um, obviously the houses are quite old sometimes. So <laughs> there's oh. these really small, like, then <laughs> they're on the angles. So like w- when I first moved over, I just hit some sense into me <laughs> quite a lot of times. <laughs> we'll try to at least. Maybe you, maybe you disagree, <laughs> everyone, all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hit some sense into me. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh well I've decided to go into investing in finance since then so maybe I did yeah. had, had an epiphany <laughs> <laughs> while well, laying on the ground blacked out yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> fucking hell what am I even doing yeah exactly <laughs> I've had those moments in the submarine too mm-hmm. yeah especially when you hit it really hard no just the what am I doing <laughs> oh yeah exactly <laughs> literally floating in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I remember walking up on one guy who was just staring up at the hatch. 
I think we were a couple hundred feet underwater at the time, and he was just sitting there staring. I was like, Are you, you okay, dude? Does that freak you out? <laughs> you like, he's going to do it? No, no, you can't. There's, oh, okay. there's no way to pop those things open like that. Plus, the pressure would hold it shut anyway. Yeah, true. It's like when <laughs> someone's on a plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, look at the door and you're like, bro, you can't. please don't do that. <laughs> we did have one guy one time try to uh, take apart the shaft seals while we were underway, which is like, what? you know, the water seal between like, you know, the compartment and, you know, the ocean. Whoa. He was kind of a dumb guy. <laughs> Did he know what he was doing or no? <laughs> he thought he was doing a PM, but it was a PM that you can only do in port, obviously, or uh, have to do something else to like isolate this thing. But he, he goes up and finds the engine watch supervisor and asks him for this massive wrench. And he's like, oh yeah, here you go. Hands it to him. And like five <laughs> minutes later, he's like, what the fuck did he want that wrench for? <laughs> yeah. He goes back like, and finds him like hammering away on these fucking bolts. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I just think there's a lot of idiots in the world. So I don't want to be stuck in a submarine. Yeah. That's the downside of putting 20 year olds in charge of a $4 billion yeah, exactly. piece of equipment. <laughs> 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 what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen what they've done in the stock market. And now we know what happened to the <laughs> curse. Gens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just shows you no matter what, uh, young people are degens and they <laughs> to learn the hard way. <laughs> Fucking young people. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> God, I was just watching a show where. Uh, have you watched the Upload? No, I haven't. On uh, Amazon? I just started it. There's a scene in there. It's set in the future. There's a scene in there where some, somebody's messing around with the VR headset and it's like, I can't figure out where my hands are. And the kid looks over, fucking millennials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for that moment. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes, you will be old too, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it when you see uh, all the videos online where people like jump into things when they have the VR headset on. Have you seen that? What? <laughs> no. They like jump into they like jump into the TV because they they forget where they are. <laughs> or they jump into like a wall and they're like, <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know. I have a obviously <laughs> like when people hurt themselves, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> it's great because yeah i don't know because it's like a horror thing or they're like running away from something and they just run into a wall or into a- <laughs> have you tried one of those vrs yet no that's sort of the next thing i want to do have you guys uh i had one dad got rid of his because facebook got really stupid with their data collection they force you now to sign in with your facebook profile on them oh yeah and they can literally ban you can't they and yeah. then, like get rid of all your games well, yeah didn't somebody no, I- lose? yeah yeah yep Yep. Yeah, I did one of like a warehouse, which was pretty cool. So it was like oh, a warehouse, and awesome. they set you up. Yeah, so like, and you could go like, uh, um, it was sort of like a sh- uh, FPS, but you could go up and down. Like, it was really cool. Yeah, didn't run into any walls, which was good as well. You couldn't, you couldn't run, you could only walk. That was one bad thing. But yeah, <laughs> was that a ruler? Yeah, for obvious reasons. So we <laughs> and you like, so you didn't smack into each other either. Yeah, I imagine there's probably some lag. Yeah, yeah. Get that many people hooked together. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's really cool. It's like it's like laser laser skirmish or stuff, but like virtual. So it's really cool. Uh, that's pretty awesome. It's like the new version of laser tag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what companies are you guys watching? I was going to say, I think we've pretty much talked about everything, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, uh, that's the interviewer in me coming out, isn't it? Just asking you guys a question. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I was saying, what, what companies are you guys watching? <laughs> uh today uh bristol myers squib has been on our radar i think both of us liking that one both of us have calls on bristol myers squib right now it just popped above uh, a key resistance level around 68 69 80 
Oh, okay. And you guys do weekly calls mainly? Uh, I got these for June just okay. to give myself time because these are longer moves. I mean, like the gap I'm hoping it fills is all the way back in 2016. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you doing a boomer play? <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, I guess. We're still <laughs> with inflation. <nah. laughs> and it's very much at, at the 52-week high. Yes. Well, we have, like, that's what I've noticed. Healthcare is really, really benefited recently, hasn't it? Through Yeah, you know, and it almost seems like it's inversely correlated right now, which is really weird. Like, the last few days or a few weeks, it seems like when the market's going, as a whole, is going down, those are going up and vice versa. Yeah, I think it's sort of one of the value stocks where it's it's one of those that can, I guess, absorb a lot of the cost pressures involved with inflation. So I think that's what I've heard. It's obviously the industrials, pharmaceuticals, and or like um, yeah, these companies and others as well. Another one I've been watching. It's a this. It's a sector fund, but it's XLU. Um, it's been kind of bouncing around in a real nice price channel. Just waiting for it to come back down to the bottom end to pick up some, probably around like sixty six. Yeah, so that's it's trading about seventy one right now. But if you look at the this, uh, if you map out all of the twelve funds for like the main sectors of the spider uh, XLU, and there's one other one that was like lagging severely behind all the rest for quite a while. Yeah, uh, and obviously utilities is going to be something that people are going to want to pile into as a safe haven if uh, you know the worst happens or if recession starts like everyone seems to be predicting yeah it's hard to know because as you said everyone's predicting it so normally that's not when it happens but <laughs> exactly yeah i think that's what happened with this last uh rate hike as everybody thought that that was going to be bearish and then <laughs> uh, <laughs> surprise <laughs> it was almost like a slow motion car crash because the fed had been talking about it for like a year or something so they're like yeah. <laughs> like i almost think everyone was happy that it wasn't worse Mm. like they weren't coming out with more i guess the i don't know it's tough because they said a lot of bearish shit in that that meeting uh when the comments came out i mean they talked about reducing asset but uh reducing the balance sheet balance sheet yes thank you for trying to remember the term for it yeah like that's really bearish not only have we stopped you know putting stimmy into the markets now we're going to start pulling it out and we're hiking rates and we're looking at another six to seven and everyone's saying that they can go start going more aggressive if they need to. Like the only thing that held them back this time was the, you know, conflict in Russia, Russia Ukraine. But that's a crazy thing. And the last time they tried to do that, 2018, 2019, is when they had a massive issue with like the repo, and there was massive. I don't know if you heard about that. 2018, when they tried to do it, then uh, we also had Trump who was able to tweet slap uh, <laughs> Powell into obedience again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I don't know if you know, but there was like an issue with the repo as well. So um, normally it's like the overnight loans uh, that banks have. Yeah. And it was normally it's like one, uh, it's like what, less than 1%. And it went up to uh, upwards of 10% <laughs> to loan this money. And a lot of hedge funds had this. Uh, it was sort of like, I think it was, um, they'd roll over like Fed contracts. Um, and that way they'd, They'd make like a small profit, but and they said there was no chance that it would go against them. And basically, the Fed had to jump in to lower the amount of interest they'd have to pay <laughs> that these hedge funds had to pay. So they basically ha- bailed out all these hedge funds who had over leveraged on this stupid trade. Uh huh. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, literally. So basically, the the Fed is basically the they provide almost all the liquidity in the markets. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, so them. 
trying to reduce their nine trillion dollar balance sheet is not going to be too good. I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> you no. Think about it. Nine trillion. It's uh... bad news. No, I'm I'm waiting for. Uh, I'm waiting if the spy hits. I think uh, new new highs again this year. I think I might start loading up on some long dated puts. Yeah, it's almost like a what they call it, dead cat bounce or something. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. basically yes. the idea that even a cat will bounce. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I always hear the saying that crashes happen from highs, right? Mm. So let's see. I mean, this rally has looked really suspect to me. Just the volume on it's just been kind of trash. Yeah, you can see like the volume is just going down and down, isn't it? Compared to start of 2022. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I buy this rally yet. What are you doing? You pulled all your money out yet? <laughs> yeah, I actually invest in Icelandic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Icelandic banks. I've actually uh, got a Jared put me in touch with a few of the ba- local bankers, and uh, <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely in on all of it. So don't listen to anything he says. But uh, no, <laughs> why do you think he's in Switzerland at the moment? No, I'm so, sorry, he'd probably he'd probably hate me saying all that. To the, to the banking capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where he got, he got escaped with all the money. But uh, I. I did ask him uh, about the coincidence of him just moving to Iceland and then the collapse happening. I know, right? <laughs> he must have brought it from the USA. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what did you do, Jared? What did you do? Is that how you're able to uncover everything? No. Exactly. Oh, so it's so crazy to think just how small the, that place. It's like I live in the place called Coventry in the middle of the UK, mm-hmm. and Iceland's basically got the same population as. As they're like 300,000. It's just mental to right. think, like the size of it. But yeah, I guess I'm, I'm sort of looking, as I said, more long term. Uh, and I guess I can mention maybe a few UK companies that probably people don't look at as much. So one of them is called Ocado. So it's like OCDDY ticker. Um, and it's sort of like a food delivery service. They partner with a few companies in the UK. But the really cool thing is they actually do a lot of the fulfillment uh, center demand of food companies. Can you spell that again? O-C-A-D-O. O-C-A-D-O. And I think the tick is, yeah, I think it's in the UK and US. You snuck snuck an R in there that threw me off. Oh, did I? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they do a lot of the fulfillment uh, centers for food delivery around the world. And I think they've got a partnership with Kroger's to do a lot of their fulfillment centers and a lot of their food delivery. Uh, They've got like with the largest department store in Sweden, they're in France, they're in... uh, Spain, they're in Japan, they're in Australia. So basically what they're doing is they're creating this system where they're outsourcing it to all these companies. So they've got, I think at the moment they have like 10 sort of uh, fulfillment centers that they run at the moment mm-hmm. and they've got contracts for 50. So they're, they're going to be massive, I think. And just the, that potential to grow and they're partner with many of these massive you know, companies that have massive market shares. And I also work for a, a food company uh, called Waitrose in the UK. And I have mm-hmm. seen how bad their system is and how horrible <laughs> it all works. And like a, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of the, um, the issue is their margins are just negative at the moment. So there's like, mm-hmm. there's multiple ways that people can uh, do deliveries. Either someone can walk around with a trolley and pick a, you know, a employee can walk around with a trolley, pick it for them, and then they can deliver it, which has horrible margins. They can like basically automate automate it completely for these big fa- factories, and that doesn't work too well. Or they can have like sort of small ones all, mm-hmm. all throughout a region, and that's the one where the highest margins are. And basically, Ricardo's at the forefront of this, and it's crazy. Like there's these videos, and they literally it's like a grid, and they call it the hive, and it's just these robots going around this area 
picking grocery shopping <laughs> and then robots oh. you know put it all together and then they're gonna they're working to the point where you know robots will do will deliver it as well so basically they're they're gonna have all the software and all this data and they're gonna be running it for most of the companies across the across the world so have you already bought stock i haven't so <laughs> i was gonna say i'm looking at the i'm looking at the chart right now it's it pretty bad really yeah, bearish. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking uh 25 uh, the uk is an interesting place because they're pretty <laughs> they don't like tech if you can believe it they're very much about like <laughs> old school yeah um yeah they're very old school very much about sort of you know classic value investing there's lots of oil companies lots of banks lots of pharmaceuticals that are you know astrazeneca is obviously one of the biggest companies um bp shell basically all like yeah. these massive companies Fuck me over. That was marching up to my $36 price target before they'd uh, cut ties with that large stake on that Russian oil. About oh, yeah, 30% fuckers. of that oil or something. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally turn it around. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm looking at this. Uh, it's got, uh, I mean, it's right at a support level right now, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say this is probably more long term. As you said, it's a very bearish chart, but um, I was probably looking around 25 around or 26 around there it's like the 2020 low if you get to there i think it'll look really interesting i might have to check it out a different i'm looking at it on oco ocdo otc otc there's otc oh, ocddy ocddy yeah i guess that's a challenge because there's obviously in it's okay that's a much London. different okay i was looking at it on the london stock exchange it's it's roughly the same chart yeah, it looks pretty similar. Uh, you got kind of the same. Yeah, twenty five looks like a really good. Yeah, and that's probably more long term, like technology play. Um, yeah. And another one's uh, it's a company called Wise, which is like a pretty bearish chart as well. <laughs> it's literally like straight down, like a shit coin. Uh, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's W I S E, and they basically were like the first company to re- to reduce a lot of the transaction fees, like internationally. Mm-hmm. So I use them recently, and like I transferred from Australia to the UK, and I probably saved. So normally, it obviously horrible uh, sort of costs. There's high costs for normally with normal banks as well as mm-hmm. uh, horrible conversion oh, yeah. rates, and they basically gave me exact conversion rates and had a small fee. So I probably I probably saved. I probably transferred, let's say, a thousand pounds. I probably saved over a hundred pounds. So basically, ten percent just from using this platform. That sounds worth it. Yeah, and they're profitable, so they're making money. They're sort of, I think they're mainly, mostly around the UK, uh, but they're actually going into the business sector now. So basically, it's really easy to use. I can create an account in the US on this mm-hmm. app, and then I can basically transfer between my accounts basically for free, and then I have nice. US dollars. Or I can do the same from US to pounds, and I can do the same from pounds to Australian dollars. So it's great. Looks like W-I-Z-E-Y. Is the over-the-counter for Wise PLC? Make sure we have links to the charts in the uh, description in case people want to check them out. <laughs> Definitely, and uh, don't be mean to them; they'll, they'll do well. <laughs> they, they look—they're like the ugly child. They look, oh, the, you know, they don't look too good now. But five, ten years time, just you wait. <laughs> I mean, I think you're more of a value investor anyway, right? Yeah, you look more at fundamentals and yeah, a little bit. And I guess I'm probably more long term at the moment. I am looking to get back. I was for my forex was more like weekly trades um, mm-hmm. rather than this is probably more of a few years. But but yeah, 
But yeah, that's been, uh, and I've basically taken a break when all the crazy volatility has happened. So I've missed out on all the moves. Oh, that's the fun part. <laughs> I know, exactly. But uh, with, with, the, with the stock market and with the, no stop is safe. <laughs> what's been, oh, uh, didn't you get one of you guys have a really quick stop like straight away recently? Um, yeah, not too. I mean, that happens quite a bit. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. That, that describes both of us. <laughs> I actually widened up my stops for my futures trading and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just everyone in general. I had one on the spy the other day that really hurt. Yeah, as I moved it to break even too fast and got taken out right before it took off. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you break one of your rules or no? No. no it's okay. Just, uh, oh, it, that's right then. It, it. I lost faith in the trade anyway. Like I should have just scratched it, but it started to take off. Uh, once it popped up above break even, I just figured it was basically the same thing as scratching. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well. I think we've probably jabbed yep. your ear off enough. Uh, Anthony, you probably got some shit to go get you to. Yep. Um, yeah, that's right. Go to bed. Old man. Old man value investor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <boomer. laughs> yeah. You want to tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, definitely. So uh, basically on all platforms, what the finance, which is like WT finance, uh, which I'm sure the lads will put down in the description. Oh yeah, and on Twitter, Anthony Fatsies, which that you probably have to, that probably have to put down there as well. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't do that much exciting stuff on Twitter. But hoping to increase it soon. No, I think you're better on YouTube, right? Yeah, YouTube's the main one at the moment, and sort of podcasts as well. And I do actually have the uh, website. Which oh, is you do. W- yeah, it's sort of bit shit at the moment but <laughs> sign up the email and then you can get notified but it comes better <laughs> the shit at the moment website from anthony <laughs> exactly it's like the ugly child but um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, i should stop saying that but, um, <laughs> oh god please if you're uh, my future employee don't listen to this but uh <laughs> or yeah, sorry but uh yeah well, exactly or son <laughs> yeah or son yeah <laughs> No way am I going to recommend you guys for him. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Too um, yeah, but it's whatthefinance.online. What the, the or WT Finance? Sorry, yeah, wtfinance.online. WT Finance. Okay, make sure I get that in there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> so if, uh, yeah, if you like any of my stuff, if you don't like it, then you can <laughs> abuse me on there as well. All the comments help. <laughs> Helps <laughs> with the YouTube algorithm. Anything, <laughs> Just like you like. Any like comments it. are good. If you don't like it, you can send it to your enemies. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What does George say? If you like it, hit the like button. If you dislike it, hit the dislike button twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, they probably would. They probably would. They probably would. <laughs> it's like the, your bloke on the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, Dan, take us home. We've done a full loop here, haven't we? We've got so many random places. I know, right? Pretty good. And that brings us back to where we came. <laughs> Folks, thanks for joining us to the end of this fantastic interview. I told you it'd be a thrill ride. I know I've been thrilled. Anthony, we want to thank you again for joining us. We love having you here. We laughed, we cried. We laughed, yeah. We cried. I, I grew I grew a little bit inside. I'm more mature of a person now. Less dick and fart jokes for sure. I died a little. I was yeah. the ugly child. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to say it, but uh, <laughs> oh, if there's three of you, one of it, one, it will be one of you. Oh God, I, I'm the one. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're uh, we're closing up shop. You you gotta gotta get kick everybody out. But uh, don't worry, we'll be back at you soon. Until then, happy trades. All right, let's unjoin. <laughs> <laughs> Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.